Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits that can make you happier in your day-to-day life. Today on the show, we have the beautiful Jennifer Cassetta talking about her new book, The Art of Badassery. Yes, badass as a verb. And she has an amazing life story as well as this beautiful book she's bringing us um, listeners today and to the world. And Jennifer is a speaker, author, and coach and a lot of other things, which I want to dive into. Um, she is quite the badass herself. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, lady. And hi, everyone. Yes. Hi. Um, so first, um, the habit you discussed that you wanted to have here on the show today was meditation. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, this is our 40th show, and we've never had anyone talk about meditation. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, we've had so many things talked about, everything from affirmations to uh, gratitude to, you know, unleashing your power, but never meditation. So I'm so happy that you chose this habit and are bringing that to us today. I'm shocked. So before we get into your story, I, you know, truthfully, I think people haven't chose meditation because I think that they probably think someone has, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things that people could try to come up with, you know, they know we've done 40 shows, they come up with these like more intricate and ones, you know, even I had Kristen Neff, who you may know, uh, talk about self-compassion and it, it was, it was even, she wasn't even talking about self-compassion. She chose how to unlock your, you like, you know, your, the opposite of your inner critic. So, so people are getting very inventive now, but I love meditation. It's one of the core tenets that I believe are part of happiness. So tell us why did you choose meditation today? I mean, it's changed my life. So in my martial arts training, I'll be very honest, which was a whole decade of, um, going to the dojo almost every day, you know, meditation was a big part of our training, but I never took it outside the mat. I never took it home. Um, it stayed in the dojo until I moved to, to Los Angeles. And I've had another 13 years from, from that, from my martial arts training. I would say in the last five or six, have I committed to a daily practice? And I can tell you that I know for sure it's changed. It's changed who I am, how I think, how I act, how I feel. Um, it sets me up every single morning with in a positive state, right? It makes me happy. And yeah. it, it's truly, um, you know, the simplest thing, the freest thing. And I use it um, proactively. So I don't just sit there and try to tune out my thoughts. I actually use my time in meditation to, um, sit there and be grateful for things. Then at the end, I visualize what I'm bringing forth in the world. So I visualize, yeah, I'm very active in my meditation. (laughs) That will bring us back. Like what, before we get into the nuts and bolts, like what, where, what happened when you started using it as a daily practice? Like what was the spawn there? And then we'll get, I want to get to your story, but tell us that like little catalyst moment. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it was, there was nothing spectacular that made me sit down and actually do it. It was just like, finally, like, let's do this. Oh, to be honest now, now that you ask, um, 
five, six years ago, I just went through a really rough year. Um, mm-hmm. Years, uh, I had a lot of loss. First, mm-hmm. kicking off with my father passing away um, very suddenly and very unexpectedly. So it really threw me for a loop. And he was an avid meditator, actually. He would meditate twice a day for 30-minute sessions each. Um, so I think maybe that is what spawned it. But maybe really- it was a gift to you. Mm, I would I would agree with that for sure. But I can tell you that the changes is that before committing to a daily practice, I worried constantly. I mean, I worried about my family, my finances, my future, just lived with this underlying sense of worry. And, you know, take it took probably years to really work through that where I could see a noticeable change. It didn't happen overnight, but I'm, I'm so, so different now in terms of worrying. Like I sure worry will pop in from here to there, here and there, but it's not, it doesn't like run me like it used to. Oh my gosh. I bet listeners are like literally on the edge of their seats because (laughs) I've never coached anyone who hasn't, isn't plagued with some level of worry or overthinking. So this is, universal condition of the current human experience for sure. Mm. So tell us, like, give us the morning, tell us what your meditation practice looks like. For sure. So I don't do anything before meditation. I get out of bed and I meditate Um, and I'll sit and I'll do some rounds of breathing. So I inhale for a count of four. Usually I hold it for maybe sometimes up to eight seconds and then let go eight to 10 seconds. So it's just a really slow breathing pattern um, to, you know, help me relax and downregulate my nervous system. And I'll do that for a few minutes. Sorry. And first I set the insight timer. I use a free app called the Insight timer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I set it for 15 minutes. Okay. And I use the chanting sound. I'm really giving you all the details here. No, you you want this because people may want to mimic you, right? Mm -hmm. So for sure. So one of the tones on there is just chanting. So it's just like, "Mm." awesome. awesome. (laughs) So that's the background noise. Um, And the first thing I do is do those breathing rounds of breathing. Once I feel really good and relaxed, um, I will start to just bring to mind things that I'm happy. I'm grateful for. So first and foremost, I think of my cats because it's an easy one. Right? <laughs> Picture them crawling into my lap. Sometimes Aww. they actually will. And I love this. I love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the roof over my head, the coffee that I'm going to drink afterwards. I mean, it could be little things. It could be big things like my husband and my family. Um, but really just anything, anything that comes to mind that makes me happy and and things that I'm grateful for. Then I'll do that for a few minutes and then I'll start to be grateful for the things that I'm calling forth. So I picture myself on stages and granted, these are things that I've done before, but really like on huge stages and and connecting with loads of different people, um, signing books and you know, the house that I'm going to buy and just, uh, you know, just really surrounding myself with, with this feeling mm-hmm. of, of happiness. I mean, it all, but, you know, when you ask me the habit for happiness, I'm like everything I do, I feel like is, is setting me up to be happy. 
like all of my habits. So this one in particular, obviously is something that I work at every single morning, but it's all about happiness, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, we as humans, I think want to, it's normal for us to feel like we want to expand into like a greater sense of bliss, if you will. I mean, it sounds very metaphysical, but we have this desire to always, you know, feel better, right? We're either running from pain and towards pleasure. That's pretty much our whole experience. And I think that most people don't know that they actually can unlock happiness through simple habits. And we discussed that before the show Mm -hmm. and meditation such a beautiful one because you're going inside. And one of the things I love so much about your practice is it incorporates this visioning piece, the gratitude piece, which is another habit for happiness, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. And definitely is the data shows as the number one um, indicator of well-being as humans. Right. And then the next is this idea of like calling in the things that we want Mm -hmm. um, and see for ourselves. And, you know, I believe, and I, 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 I would assume maybe you would too, that we actually can't get what we want unless we can envision it actually happening for ourselves. And one of the most interesting things that I found about humans is that most of us are very clear on what we don't want, Mm. but most of us are very unclear when it comes to what we want. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. Go ahead. You all, it's funny you say that because I, I feel like I've always had this North star for my career anyway. And for me, my career is kind of my whole life. Like It's what I do. It's what I love. It's what I think about all the time. Um, I don't think that I need to have like this, you know, these like boundaries around my work time during the day. It's like, I love it. So it makes me very happy. Um, But I had this North star, but you're right. I mean, I had to get more and more clear and that North star, that vision of, you know, becoming a speaker has, I've had to, um, really refine, refine it, um, over the years. So yes, I do that every single morning in my visualization during the meditation practice. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And, you know, I think that sometimes we can't give ourselves permission to, to even have those things come to us, which sounds of course, very metaphysical, unless we, you know, can even feel like that they're available to us. Right. Oh yeah specific about what those are because I always say the universe wants to give you anything you want but you have to be hyper specific or you're going to get like two beats off (laughs) (laughs) right right. you're too general it just might not be exactly you know what you're looking for so being specific is so amazing and I also believe that like our cells don't know if we're envisioning it or if it's actually happening right and that's and that I was just going to say the added little piece there is to feel the feelings of. So during the visual, you can visualize, right? And you're just bringing pictures to mind. But if you really want the secret sauce, then you need to feel the feelings. So I like really feel myself on stage and connecting with people and and feeling lit up from the inside out. Um, you know, so imagine whatever it is you want to bring forth in your life, having those feelings and and putting yourself in that situation every morning. Like, of course, you're going to be happy when you come out of your meditation. And of course. Probably, yeah. And it'll probably last most of the morning. <laughs> and yes. And the more likely that those things will happen in your life. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If, well, again, metaphysical, but if you can beco- become a vibrational match for the things that you want, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. that's part of the part of the puzzle as well. Well, 
I love this so much. And what I want to start with is if it's okay is, you know, you have such an incredible story and I want listeners to, um, to, to hear about it because you aren't just an author, speaker, and coach. You're so many other things. Mm -hmm. And so what set you on this trajectory to write this book? So bring us to start from the beginning. Tell us the story. From the beginning. Okay. From the beginning, <laughs> um, essentially 22 years ago, I stepped onto a mat in a dojong, which is Korean for martial arts studio. You probably heard of dojo. Um, and I just, I fell in love, honestly, with this feeling of strength in my body. Obviously it took a few months for me to really get into it, but I was hooked from day one. Uh, the first punch I, I threw, I was like, Ooh, this feels good. And Within that year of training, I was in my early 20s at the time. Um, you know, a couple major things happened in my life that completely changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't know it at the time as I was going through it, but obviously looking back, um, essentially 21 years ago, uh, so I was a year into my training, I showed up to work in New York City, three blocks south of the World Trade Center, got out of the subway, looked up, and the, the towers had already been hit. It was September 11th, 2001. Um, and when I made it to the place of my, that I worked at, the doorman wouldn't let me upstairs, but he said to, I could use the phone in the lobby because at that time the cell phones weren't working at all. So I went to call my mom and within seconds, the first tower fell. A swarm of people came rushing into the lobby. My the phone went flying out of my hands. I got pushed into this utility closet with a bunch of strangers. And for the first time in my life, I thought I was going to die. I completely froze, shut down, and, except just crying. You know, like I just remember crying, crying, crying until this woman came over to me. She put her hands on my shoulders and asked me my name. It forced me to take a breath so I can answer. Jennifer. And she said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. The two of us were going to get out of here today. And sure wow. enough, we did. She's your yeah. angel. My guardian angel, for sure. Um, we, we all got evacuated from that building and Nancy and I stayed together and ran for hours from building to building, looking for a safe place until finally I had the idea to take Nancy to the dojo where I had been training. So when we entered there, I finally, for the first time that day, felt safe, started to breathe more deeply, drink water, wipe the soot off my body. Um, Nancy eventually headed home and I've never seen her since. So I'm still looking for my Nancy Aww. if you're out there. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but essentially, the you know, it becomes like this metaphor for my life that all I wanted to do in the weeks, months, and even years afterwards was go to that dojo where I'm Physically, now seeing the benefits of feeling stronger. Mentally, I'm starting to feel more confident, more aware. Spiritually, I'm starting to feel more grounded with all the breathing and meditation techniques that I was learning. Um, it completely transformed my life. And I was out of a job in the beginning. So I was like, well, how can I make this my my work, my career, if you will? And so it started out in the physical realm with personal training. I developed my own practice in New York City then went back to get, you know, certifications and degrees in health coaching and later on in nutrition, um, all while building a private practice in New York until, so I did that for 10 years as I was moving through the levels of the belts, um, made it all the way to a third degree black belt before 
leaving New York and heading to Los Angeles, where then I kind of have like this part two of my career, which is essentially all the things or, or realizing that my mission really boils down to helping people feel more strong, safe, and powerful from the streets to wow. the bottom. Strong, safe, and powerful. What an incredible story. I mean, I think the think one of the things that's so interesting about your story is how you started this practice at the dojo, you know, a year, I think, as you're saying in your timeline before this incident, which was obviously life-shaping for you and so many others, um, like set you up. It was almost like, you know, the way that all the timing worked was that you had this sort of like pre pre and your this pre-work done Mm -hmm. so that you you know, survive and surpass this place. And, and you, it's a physical place that you actually went after with this person and absolutely crazy. You've never heard from Nancy again. I mean, you would think one would think that she would at least reach out to the dojo to try to find, (laughs) knowing that that was the place that you were familiar with, but she definitely. yeah, Yeah. I think about it though. I mean, you know, the amount of PTSD that people have had that probably went undiagnosed or, um, who knows, like maybe she never went back to work or may- I, I honestly, I have no idea. And I should have um, reached out to her much sooner. But by the time I kind of went through those years, and if anyone out there is listening can understand, um, if you were kind of like me and I'm doing air quotes right now, nothing really happened to you. Uh, you probably went years without just burying those feelings of what happened on that day. Like I did. Um, and because you have like this survivor's guilt, it's like you watched all these other people and families be completely devastated um, at the loss of life on that day. So for me, I thought, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Nothing happened. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. And I think what what comes up for me is this idea that I I also think, and we certainly cannot compare it to 9-11, but I think people have PTSD from COVID. Sure. You know, they didn't die in COVID and, you know, close to a million people died, which is a lot of people. And, um, but we all sort of have that, right? And, And the beauty of things like habits, like meditation that can help us with all these forms of stress or trauma, that began to live in our body. Cause when you say, you said we push them down, right? Now we say like, when we push them down for our brain, guess where they go? Yeah. They go in bodies. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. yeah. And meditation is a wonderful way where we can, you know, release a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know for sure on the mat, I released all of it. Right? Yes. Yes. The, the yes. physical part too, like moving your body and getting that out. Um, I am sure, sure, sure that that helped me so much during that time. What led you to get go to the dojo in the first place? Um, I'm going to say my dad. So here he comes again. Yes. <laughs> he had been doing martial arts for, um, he started probably in his early fifties. So uh, he would always kind of say to me like, you should try this. And when I'm in high school, I was like, no way. You know, I don't know why I thought it was like nerdy or whatever. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was living in New York um, after college on my own that I just had this idea mostly as a different form of working out because I was just bored of going to the gym. And then I started to realize like, wow, I'm learning these life-saving skills. I'm feeling really like good in my body. This is, this is amazing for so many reasons. 
Yeah, don't mess with Jennifer in an alley, man. She'll get you. So you're a double tell listener. You're double black belt. Third degree black belt. Third degree North black belt. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yes. Is there any higher rank? Oh yeah. Fourth is master. I mean, grandmaster can be seventh. It just, you know, people do this for their life. Well, you know, not all, not always, but grandmasters well, can be, you know, in still, their seventies. Mm-hmm. As a third degree black belt, you still don't want to meet Jennifer in a dark alley. She will kick <laughs> you butt, right? <laughs> she will show you her badassery. Yeah. Just don't mess with me. That's all. That's all I ask. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to go to a quick, quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the book specifically and how um, being in the dojo, being a third degree black belt led to the book and what the gift of the book is to the world. So we can talk more about that, where people can find the book. And just so you know, uh, where is it available on Amazon? Where else is it available? Just Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble. And some local bookstores, like ask your local bookstore. Yeah, Astro Local Bookstores as well. The Art of Badassery with Jennifer Cassetta. We'll be back in just a second, folks. Hang tight. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Habits for Happiness. We hope today's program is helping you reach your happiness. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. And we are back with the author, speaker, and coach, The Art of Badassery, Third Degree Black Belt, um, and the amazing Jennifer Cassetta. And I want to talk about this book because it's just an amazing book. And I also want to talk about like how it incorporates um, your practice of you know being in the dojo, being a third degree black belt, and, and the message to the world. So tell us how you know your life led to this book specifically? What was the, you know, impetus or, or catalyst for writing it? Yeah. I, I want, it's funny. Cause 15 years ago, I took a nonfiction book proposal writing class, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I never wrote the actual book. <laughs> so, um, but I know like I couldn't have written this particular book then. Right. right. I feel like who knows, right. It, it's just like all the things that I've been through and the, the, what I call in the book, actually my 
shits list. Can I say that? Um, yes, you can say that. Okay, good. Like going through all those different difficult challenges um, in my life has helped me write this book. And I know that for sure. So, but why I wrote it is because honestly, after two decades of teaching self-defense, empowerment coaching, mostly for women, um, I do, you know, teach and speak to all, all audiences, but I would say the majority is for women. Um, listening to stories of women who have been passed over, who have been talking, talking down to, made vulnerable, manipulated, and then verbally, mentally, emotionally, and even physically abused. Um, these are the stories that come into my lap every single day, almost either through instant messages or people wanting to share their story with me or when I'm out on the road speaking and, and folks yeah. will share with me. So I wanted to create this framework for people to step into and step through, move through the levels of the belt, essentially, um, to self-empower themselves, right? Again, it's we are the only people that can make us feel happy, powerful, strong, safe. So this is how you do it. And the the book walks you, each chapter is a belt level. So you go from white belt to black belt in badassery. Mm. Love that so much. And I love the metaphor too. And, right. you know, I, you know, I also run a women's group coaching program that is about empowerment. And I do believe that women, you know, that are empowered will be the people who end up changing the world. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. men, but if it was going to be the men, they would have already done it. <laughs> so, with all that power. <laughs> with all that power. So tell us, you know, you know, with your book and with your practice, like the process of transforming and empowering women. Yeah, absolutely. So the book starts out, the white belt level is about embracing the suck. So I truly believe the thing that stops most of us from living our best lives is something from our past, stories that we've created around things that have happened blah, blah, blah. So really the, the white belt chapter is about embracing those things in our past versus letting them have power over us and holding us back. So it's, you you know, it's not, I'll tell you what it's not, it's not going, Oh, I'm so grateful that all these sucky things happen to me. Right. I don't think we have to be happy about that. We can say, yeah, that still sucked, but here's what I gained from it. And I take um, readers through exercises towards the end of the chapter that um, where you create your greatest shits list and really look at that, look at all the times that you have overcome mm-hmm. and then pull forward, pull I love the greatest shits list. It's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know where it came from, but that's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you've, the times you've overcome. Yeah. Yeah. All those times where you're lying in bed going, I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't know how I'm going to get through this lying on the bathroom floor. You know, those times yeah, we've, um, all had- we've all had them. And that's the thing accepting that as a fact, like sucky things are going to happen to every single person. We're not getting out of this life alive without them. And if nothing has happened to you, that's terrible. Then maybe the pandemic was the first major thing that you had to work through. Um, and that is the case for a lot of people. So now you, now you have one under your belt and I bet you developed some kind of secret, secret weapon from it. And the secret weapons that we can develop are things like perseverance, empathy, um, generosity, humbleness, 
resilience, right? So many different weapons that you can now lean on in times of challenges in your present and future. So that's where the, where we start. Right. And we, yeah. Then yeah. We move, going. You're, it's amazing. Then we move to the yellow belt, which is chapter two, which is about bouncing back and three st- strategies that I learned on the mat that help us either avoid the takedown altogether or um, help us bounce back with velocity and ease each time, right? Because that's what we do in martial arts. We learn how to fall and get back up. It's called mat work and fall and get back up. And we do that over and over. I keep thinking like, you know, like, I don't know if it's karate kid or wherever, but like where they like fall down and then they do the jump where like they, you know, you're on your back and you jump back onto your feet, right? Like a, like a reverse cat or something. I mean, that's an amazing move, but I think of that in life, right? Like how do we, be resilient enough to be laying on our backs and you know, this is a boxing term, but like total knockout. Right. Yeah. And then jump back onto our feet to be battle ready again. hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. So those yes. are all strategies, the pivot, the rolling with the punches and even making an ultimate comeback when life does knock you out for the count, just like you said. Yes. And you know, I think one of the things that you say that's so amazing is that um, embracing the suck and I know we haven't gotten through all the chapters, but, um, and this idea of like coming back with resilience and, you know, when you're in it, you never feel like it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. You feel like it's going to continue forever, but that with these, these tools, the pivot, the, you know, all of these things that, that our experiences are like waves, they come, we persevere, we're resilient. And then, you know, we move on because we've all been here as long as we've been here. We've survived everything until now. Yeah, exactly. I call those seasons of suck. <laughs> seasons of suck. I love it. <laughs> yes. We all have seasons of suck. All of us. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And then what happens after yellow belt? We get to the orange belt, which the lesson, which teaches us how to block the BS that's coming at us. So negativity from people, places, and things. Um, we're in charge of our own kind of energy field or whatever you want to call it. I I picture it like this, this bubble. And if anyone's encroaching on that bubble with anything, verbal insults, um, any kind of negative energy, it's my responsibility to keep my, to set my boundaries, right. And to learn those blocking styles. So in general, in martial arts, we have two styles of blocking hard blocks where, Mm -hmm where um, an opponent's force is met with a force equal to or greater than the incoming assault or soft blocks where we blend with the initial um, assault and redirect it either out into space or back at your opponent. So again, I I use that as the metaphor, but throughout the chapter, I'm going to give lots of real life examples of how we can set these powerful boundaries um, with folks that are, you know, Throw in some BS our way. No, I want to talk about boundaries. So we're going to stick a pin in that one because that is really something I want to talk a lot about, especially for empowering women, um, empowering humans, right? Because we tend to take on other people's stuff rather than, I love this idea of like, almost like the shift back out into space, right? The soft blocking. Right. Yeah. Take us, take us onward. At Greenbelt level, we begin to harness the power of our voice. We learn a technique called a key up 
well, you learn it in the beginning, but essentially at green belt level, you start to really own your kiap and it's translates to spirited yell. So it, we use these kiaps on every punch and kick to accentuate our movements. And in life, again, that translates to powerfully communicating, whether that be your boundaries, whether that be asking for the promotion you deserve or the salary bump or, or even putting, you know, having boundaries with your children or spouses, um, all of it. So how do we powerfully communicate? Obviously through body language, through tone. And then I, I dig a lot into vocabulary. So both outward vocabulary and yep. how there are lots of power draining vocabulary that we use on a regular basis. Oh, and then yes. how to swap that out for more empowering or power gains. Mm, I love that so much. Are we a black belt yet? No, we're green belt still. No, no, no. We're still at green belt. The next level is blue belt where we start to learn about our chi and our life force uh-huh. energy. Um, so essentially this chapter is really about practicing radical self-care. So we take care of this body that we're in before mm-hmm. we burn out <laughs> because yeah. we have a tendency in this country or wherever, a lot of different countries, but to go, 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 um, without taking care of ourselves and the self-care actually gets worse, the more stressed we become. So it's about stopping, taking an energy audit and just realizing like I can clear up some energy blocks with water, with better food, with, without relying on artificial sources of energy, like too much caffeine or sugar or whatever your vice is, um, alcohol, whatever it is, alcohol, whatever it is. Right. And, and again, and I make sure that I say in the book, like there's room for, for that kind of stuff in moderation, a cup of coffee, a sweet treat, a glass of wine. Right. But it's when we start relying on those things is when we can really drain our power and our energy. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, 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 that's it. No. Yeah. So something I say in my coaching practice is like, you know, it's such a shift. I work with CEOs and, you know, there's this idea, like, you know, if I just work more hours, I talked to a CEO yesterday who's at a startup and he's like, well, I work from seven, I'm on zoom from 7am to 7pm. And his assumption is that if he works those hours and he travels to two cities each week, then then he will, you know, reach whatever level. Mm. And we had this hard conversation. Like if your brain for this type of work is your most in, in, in our bodies, we can extend this to our lives for us, are your most valuable asset, then you know, you wouldn't take a Rolls Royce and go drive it out in, you know, in the mud at a hundred miles per hour. <laughs> right? You take care of it and you put it in the garage and you polish it and you give it a break and you give it a bath. And, um, if your brain is this sort of Rolls Royce, then we need to treat it like that. And we need to, if our bodies are, then, you know, we want them to last, you know, longevity. We want them to last a long time. Um, I live in a place where people exercise a tremendous amount and I always say like, if we want to live a long time, I'm not sure that exercising for seven hours is a good idea. Oh my goodness. No, we can go for a walk because treating ourselves like we're this very precious, like Fabergé egg Mm. gives us more life, not less life. Absolutely. Yes. And rest is one of those pillars that I have in the, in that chapter to make sure you're really maximizing your sleep, um, your rest and your recovery. Yeah. And so, and the dojo, how is self-care promoted? 
Oh, it's just, it, I mean, it's really just a way of life. I mean, okay. You, it, it's at least in my dojo, it wasn't necessarily yes. part of the curriculum, but I know at, around blue belt is when I started to really take a look at my self-care habits, because at this level, I was like, Oh, I'm loving this so much that I'm going to do double classes. I'm going to yes. come back yes. for extra training. I'm going to go every single day. So it was like, and I was running around the city training clients in and out of the subway, walking around the city all day. So it was just like all day going, going, going. Um, and then at night I was, you know, full throttle on my social life. So I knew at some point it was this, I, it was unsustainable. So yes. I started to naturally clean up my nutrition. I started to, you know, make my mental health a better priority or greater priority and also sleep. And recovery. So I, I really was able to avoid burnout and really start to thrive. Yeah, no, I love that so much. Okay. Keep taking us on the journey, the journey, the next two belts. So we have red, which is about going within and connecting with your inner warrior. I call it, you can call it your spirit, your soul, your God, your universe, whatever. Um, but it's having that practice. And here's where my meditation practice really comes into play at red belt level on the mat. We start, we started to learn these like slower forms of movement with the breath really start to deepen our meditation. So, um, off the mat, taking that into my life was like I said, in the beginning, a a complete life changer for me. And I, I just, I really want to encourage everyone to have some type of mindfulness practice, some type of practice where you stop each day, go within, listen, ask yourself questions, even be quiet, even with, when you're with other people, listen more, right. Mm. Taking, taking things in and just allowing space for your intuition, your inner warrior to really speak to you. Um, I believe she's in there for all of us. And she's in there, girl, she's in there. I know it. I know firsthand giving us guidance. Yeah. She's in there. And And what's coming up for me is this idea of like, as we go up the ladder of our own vibration and, and through your book with the belts and through your life with the the, the different advances of your dojo and your practice is that we begin to shed layers. It's not about adding on. It's about this sort of like great shedding and through the shedding, our warrior emerges and shines. Yeah, it's the slowing down too, right? Like you're, as you talk about the slow, it was coming up for me was like Tai Chi, which I think is like the coolest thing ever. Um, But this idea of it's almost the soft blocking, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. we can be warriors and not be harsh. Right. Yeah. Warriors and be graceful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The chapter goes into kind of flowing, right? Finding that flow zone of life where things just feel a bit easier instead of an uphill battle. Yeah. The the times between the seasons of suck. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So this leads us to the lesson of the black belt. Yes. Um, As I was, you know, when I was starting martial arts, I would look up to the black belts and watch these very fierce women, women, in my dojo. And I would be like, okay, so black belt is about executing your sword forms with precision or being able to take someone down. That's twice your size. But as I got closer to my black belt training and test, um, I realized it's not really about that at all. What black belt is about is leadership. And it's about becoming 
yeah, a mentor, a teacher, a coach to help others rise through the ranks as well. That's essentially what it is because be- before even being considered a black belt candidate, at least in my school that I trained at, you had to volunteer at least 100 hours of teaching. So it really doubled down on that, that philosophy that, again, black belt is about becoming a leader, a teacher, a mentor. And, you know, again, I use the parallel of, of being able to drill our physical stances. We would, we would hold these stances for, for minutes sometimes, which again, help keep our, keep us steady and grounded. And then we would then take those physical stances out into our lives as black belts. We would have a, we would have an easier time to take a stand or stance on causes that are greater than, you know, causes that are important to us, or even just sticking up and standing up for other people. As I did that more and more in my life, my influence expanded, my business started to grow. Um, And you could, you know, you could just see those values out into other parts of my life. So um, that truly is the lesson of the black belt. It's about giving back and, and being a voice in your community being of service, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, and for those who are familiar with Joseph Campbell or the hero's journey, which I'm sure you're familiar with is this idea of going out and being playing the dragons and fighting the fight and gaining the wisdom and then coming home and sharing the wisdom. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's in that returning home in which we become black belts. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you about boundaries if your journey is finished, which I assume it is here, because yes. I, boundaries is something that all of my empowered women, I always say it's like the last 10% of the empowerment, right? It's like you do all these things, you unpack your suck, you, you know, realize you have these beautiful tools, you learn them, you embody them, all the things. But then we, as women, especially, Oftentimes, I can only speak for myself, of course, here, but sometimes, you know, turn ourselves into pretzels to, you know, please others or responsible for others, or we don't say no, or we, um, you know, put ourselves last or all these things. Right. It's the, in the boundaries where we actually embrace our inner goddess or inner warrior. Mm. People have so much respect for those, which is not what we're taught. Right. So tell us about the boundaries and the role in the dojo and how that came up for you. Um, I guess coming up in, you know, in the training, it, it, again, it wasn't necessarily taught as a curriculum, but you're learning these physical ways to create boundaries with people, to defend yourself physically from a punch, a kick, a takedown, a grab, a hold, a choke even. Right. Um, So just translating that into everyday stuff that, that women face, um, is being able to first feel worthy enough to protect yourself first, feel worthy enough to set that boundary. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, that takes, takes a lot of work and self-love and compassion and, um, and healing really. Once you can get there, once you can feel worthy enough to protect yourself, it becomes easier to set boundaries. And I believe it's a muscle just like anything else, Um, right? Like the more you set your boundaries, the easier they become. So it's funny when people talk about it now, like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. It's just part of who I am. It's very easy to set boundaries for me. Um, And if it becomes something that is more difficult, 
Again, I go into my meditation. I, I visualize myself setting that boundary, whether through, you know, verbally or through space and distance. Um, and, and then I, then I act on it. So one of the main things that I teach in that chapter is like the soft and the hard boundary, but one of the softer ways is to actually create distance from a person, place, or thing that's drowning, draining you of your power. Yes. Yes. That's the easiest, right? Almost the easiest way sometimes to, instead of, if you're very uncomfortable with confrontation, which a lot of people are, especially women, that's okay. There are still other ways you can set a boundary, right? You can become less accessible to somebody. You can create distance and space from them in more physical ways. Yes, totally. I agree. And I think you energetic and spiritually and whatever, we can have boundaries that mean, you know, we're not following them on social media and we're not allowing them into our houses or whatever it is, right? That gives us that beautiful space to breathe. It doesn't have to happen in a confrontational, like I need to go into the dojo with you and fight it out, you know? (laughs) Um, But I do think one of the things that I found about boundaries is that when I started through my own sort of spiritual awakening to have them as part of my self-care, like people actually, like, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Or no, that doesn't work for me. Even if just as a simple no, and Mm. people were totally fine with it. And I was like, or they did what I asked of them. And I was like, wow, I Mm. have that power. I didn't know I did. I didn't know I could ask for that. And it was like amazing. And I was like, huh, this is kind of fun. I'm going to start asking all sorts of things. <laughs> you don't know you have it until you do, but you exactly. always do it first. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's in there. You just have to express it. Yeah, totally. So coming full circle, we're almost out of time. We have one minute left. So I just want to ask you, tell us if people want to work with you, if they want to have you speak, um, any of the things, maybe they want to join a dojo and they have questions, where can they find more of you? Absolutely. My website is jennifercassetta.com. Cassetta or Jen, sorry. I'll repeat that. My website is jennifercassetta.com and on social media, I'm at Jen Cassetta, two N's, two S's, two T's. Yes. Yes. And I answer all my messages. So please send me a message. Yeah. DM Jennifer on her Insta. Just remember, I always say it's two S's and two T's, but it's also two N's yep. um, for Jennifer Cassetta. And it's been such a pleasure having you today. Reminder for everyone, it just takes five to 10 minutes of meditation a day to reset your brain. Um, the data shows that it does make us happier. This is not just, you know what, it is complete. <laughs> science. And um, Jennifer, it's such a pleasure. And you have such a a beautiful book. So everyone go out and buy this book. And thank you for sharing your light with us. And the world is better with you in it for sure. Thank you, lady. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks. Um, And tune in next week for another habit uh, that may change your life. And thanks everybody for hanging in there. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next time on the Voice America Variety Channel and discover how to find your new happy place.